Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. to the third episode of celebrating women in technology you will hear the life journey of shalini choudhry through the lenses of algorithm and clear decision making she leads a multifaceted role as head of technology for caspian a storyteller and supporter of women in tech hi shalini a very good morning to you thank you for accepting to be part of the software people stories Hi J3 good morning to you as well and I'm really glad you asked me to be a part of this really excited to be speaking with you short uh, story for you we started super people stories as a podcast a year back and uh, I recently joined uh, as a guest we uh, last march we did a series of uh, women based uh, talks and uh, we thought no this is something that no is useful to kind of zoom in to women in technology so i'm so i'm so so happy that we are going to talk about you and such a renowned leader you are uh, thanks g3 i think you're being very kind um, i don't know about being renowned leader but uh, definitely have spent considerable amount as a woman in technology so i'm really glad to be of help and i'm really excited to share my story as well it's been a very interesting life journey for me so i'm i'm glad that i will be able to share this with a wider group using using the channel that you have built we'll get started right at the beginning right uh, many of our listeners are younger crowd so we wanted to understand they would want to understand how did you get started and what propelled you to get when started the what made you interested in getting interested in technology uh, sure g3 so it's i still think it's a very interesting story after all these years given how old i am in in my days unlike what happens today we did not have computers or we did not have coding uh, classes and when i was in my 8th standard our school announced that uh, we would have a small computer lab built in and we would have computer classes so you can imagine um, all of us having no computers at home have never learned any coding we were all very intrigued and excited the lab was built and we didn't still go into the lab we were wondering what's happening and and then this person comes um and he says i'm going to teach you how to code i'm going to teach you algorithms now again we had never heard the word algorithms before so we all sat with our uh, you know classwork notes and everything and he said i will give you a problem and you all have to think about it and come back how do you make a cup of tea so that was the problem and then he explained to us how you can write down an algorithm on a piece of paper using the flowchart symbols so that was our homework we all did our homework we came back the next day we submitted our homework and when he started grading it he singled me out and he said you've done something very interesting so again these are the days when typically you made the cup of tea the way pretty much all of us do you boil water you add a tea leaves you put milk sugar 
let it boil and then serve the tea. But this was the time when tea bags had started becoming popular or started getting into the market. I, being the naughty one, wrote my flowchart and said the tea had to be made with the tea bag. So I said, is the water boiling? Dip the tea bag. Is it strong enough? No. Continue dipping. If yes, add milk and sugar. So he was very intrigued. And I still remember he gave me like full marks and with his red teacher pen, he wrote excellent with two exclamation marks. <laughs> and I came home. I was so thrilled. I knew I could write algorithms. I knew I could think logically and I knew I could hence write a piece of code. So even before I wrote my single line of code or stepped into a computer lab, I think somewhere doing that algorithm different than the rest of my class, I would say that started me onto my journey of, of being in technology. Awesome. Such a unique way, right? We keep talking about, you know, thinking out of the box. Now I have to say thinking out of the tea bag. <laughs> Interesting, Charlie. So after schooling, uh, where did you get started in uh, terms of college? Sure. So I, I took math and science. I used to wear huge big specs. I got my specs very early on when I was in second standard. So call it conditioning, call it my mind, all of it worked together. And I always believed that I was a logical analytical person and having specs on me, I wanted to be a geek, right? So, you know, the biases that get formed early in our heads. But I also did like math and, and physics and, and chemistry. So I took that and I got into engineering. I completed my electronics and communication engineering from the Lai Institute of Technology. And I think that was the first time we got proper development coding and I launched my first set of algorithms and, and I did my first set of coding. You know, believe it or not, at that time, it was Fortran and Pascal. My resolve of getting into something that is logical, analytical and flowchart-like in eighth standard further got cemented during my engineering where I did uh, mini projects using, you know, those MS-DOS black screens where you had to um, yeah. start writing code. So those were my early days of engineering and early days of... <laughs> very, very interesting indeed, Shalini. My first uh, programming language was Fortran as well. I was like, I was so impressed with the power of how simple programming can happen and that, that we also were having a breadboard where we could program in the breadboard and then and then connect it uh, by using led lights after we moved into photon it was so interesting uh, to connect all of these dots so to speak completely relate to ug3 on how the whole technology and software sort of got into our heads very early on in in our student career, I would say, or student life. Yeah. See, I see uh, you have worked in, you know, uh, enterprises, if you will, uh, Infosys and Accenture. How has been that experience? So, so let me actually start with a little story on how I got into Infosys in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, so, so after my engineering and um, during my engineering, I had an unfortunate family situation. My father... I lost my father when I was in first year of hearing. He met with an accident and within a few hours we lost him. Uh, so I was very determined that being the elder sister 
of the, the two sisters and then the only possible earning member of the family at that point in time. Uh, when I came back and finished my engineering, I was very determined to immediately start working. And I got an opportunity to be a lecturer in a new engineering college in my hometown, Nopal. Okay. So I was teaching uh, microprocessors and digital and uh, integrated circuits, given everything that I had learned in engineering. And one day when I was preparing for a lab, looked as old as I was at that point in time, uh, my sister called me. And, and remember, these are times when there were no cell phones. So she yeah. had called my, my college main desk and then they routed the call to my lab. Okay. And my sister sounded really excited. Uh, and this is about 3 p.m. And, um, you know, she's younger to me. So she calls me Didi, which is what uh, North India, Akka yeah. equivalent of South yeah. India is, right? Yeah. Um, and she was excited. She said, Didi, you know what? There is this big one-page ad of some company in info something, uh, but they are talking about computers. And I remember how excited you were in 8th standard and then you were writing your Fortran and Pascal programs. Why don't you go? They are doing a walk-in interview. So, <laughs> how cool <is> that? <laughs> I know. And, and she said, it must be a good company, Didi, because they have given a full page ad. So that's how we evaluate things in life sometimes by, by the size of the commercial of the, on the local paper, etc. I decided and I, I showed up for that walk-in interview. And when I went in, I realized that it was not an interview at all. So Infosys, I am not sure if they do that today, but in, in my times, and I'm talking about 97, 98, they used to take a written exam. And only then did you get to go for an interview. I saw this classroom sort of place where everybody was heads down and doing a paper because I was about three minutes late. So I walked in, the HR person looks at me and said, okay, give me your resume. So I said, I don't have a resume. I'm just coming from my job. I thought it was a walk-in interview. And she was clearly very unhappy with me. She gave me a blank piece of paper and said, sit down, write your name, father's name, your marks and your short synopsis of a one-page resume. Lightning resume. I did that. <laughs> I know lightning resume, literally. Um, I did that. And I handed it over to and then she gave me the paper. So I'm already about 10, 12 minutes late. I finished that paper. The result came out. One other person from that class of, I don't know, 35, 40 of us. And I got picked up. Um, and I had not solved everything on that paper. So emphasis for an approach because they used to always ask us to leave the rough paper behind as well. I got selected. And I got invited for the interview. Uh, they said, when you come for the induction, you know, bring a resume, which of course, again, I forgot. G3, believe it or not, till date, I have never applied for a job with a resume. Of course, I've built profiles and I've sent it out, but I've never, and even for my second job with Accenture, there was a similar interesting story, but I have never created a resume for a job. So one of the... Okay funny uh, characteristics of my 22 years in, in professional services. Very interesting indeed, Sharmi. <laughs> so uh, you started in the testing side, is it? Uh, when you joined Infosys, was it really planned or it was, was it an accident? It, it was 
coincidental, I did not join in testing. In fact, I joined what Infosys used to call open systems, where we learned um, you know, languages. And, and my first project was in Power Builder 5.0. Okay. Um, so I was doing development and, and that's how I joined my second project. During that project, because we were starting to build a warehouse management system, there was an onshore and my project manager thought that I was inquisitive enough and my communication skills were okay. So they sent me to US after one year of my joining Infosys. So I ended up doing the whole onshore gig very, very quickly. Okay. Um, and, and so for the first two years, I was a developer. And I think it was a very good thing that happened to me from being logically uh, thinking on algorithms to make a cup of tea down to then writing piece of code, I believe strongly cemented my both understanding of software as well as analytical and logical thinking. So now I'm in US and I'm doing this pieces of coding and I was given to write a program. It, it was an important program for the background processes. Okay. And I finished writing my program and there at that time we were doing weekly releases. So okay. we did a weekly release and those weekly releases, this is even before Agile became such a, a household name. Right. Um, I don't think we even called it Agile. We were just weekly releases because we had a system, live system in production. And we used to get enough defects that we had to fix. And, and every Saturday, we would put those bug fixes in. One of those bug fixes, my program also went in, uh, which was a brand new program, but it went in. And okay. because we were putting in a big piece of code, we suspected that the system will go down uh, okay. on Sunday and we will get into one of those severity one war room kind of scenarios. Wow. And it didn't happen. <laughs> so it didn't happen. So we all had a good Sunday. Mm-hmm. And in on, on Monday, when we all came back, so you now you have to imagine like we used to call it a bullpen. And eight or nine of us are sitting there and the director, she walks in and she said, what happened? Did you not put the release in? And we said, we did. And she said, did we not have the splitter going in? We said, we did. And she looked at me, she said, and we didn't have a seven issue on Sunday. What did you do, Shalini? (laughs) Um, And I said, I think I tested it properly. So what does that mean? And you can see G3 where this is going. When I explained to her what it was, she said, okay, I think this um, is, is what you will do from now on. So she separated me and she told my manager that while the rest six or seven will continue writing piece of code, I will only be responsible for whatever I did with my splitter program. And, and, and that's how my testing career started. So um, I became the tester for the group. I went on to then requesting addition of a, a person and, and Leslie from production to join my team. So we were the two testers. Okay. And I used okay. to actually really like my job. Along with Leslie's help, I could understand what the business wanted from the software. And so I would test it that way. Each and every program that was being written for the weekly and then subsequently monthly releases And actually, I felt, you know, to be honest, at that age, I felt quite powerful. Um, I mean, looking back, I think that was not such a good feeling. Uh, But I also felt very responsible. 
And I think early on in my career, I understood the responsibility of a person who ensures quality. And, mm-hmm. and I was doing that via validation. Now, thinking back, quality of any application, any app, any mm-hmm. platform that we build is so important. I, and I learned that very early in my career. So I used to feel like I've suddenly grown up because every time I used to be asked, should we put this in production? And, you know, all eyes would be on me. And I took that very seriously. And I, I decided that this is what my specialization will be. And for next 20 years or so, I would say that that's what I kept up. So that's how I got into testing. And, wow. and, and G3, you know that from a test engineer to then creating a team with that client uh, and mm-hmm. becoming a test manager to expanding that to another business unit of that same client. And then when I moved to Accenture, I did join in the beginning, the testing team. So that's how I got into testing and between Infosys and Accenture, I would say 20 years of my professional services career, 17 plus years were in quality engineering and application testing. Wow, (laughs) what a fantastic uh... Sorry, I know that you're very well known in the independent, uh, you know, validation area, but I didn't know the story. Uh, How enriching. We talk about domain uh, understanding that testing team has much higher from an end-to-end vision as well as finding those problems well before it actually happens, right? Have you had such instances of had those brushes with technology? Yes, Um, And then actually, I will, again, share a couple of instances with you, one from my Infosys days and one from my uh, Accenture days. So uh, remember this project where I started my testing career and I moved to another project. And this was about warehouse management system for online orders. So this is e-commerce is becoming a very important business. Pretty much every store in US is also building an online portal and so we were doing a project where if you bought say a t-shirt bought a t-shirt online but when it arrived and and you didn't like it uh, or it didn't fit well and you you could actually go and return it in a store so we were building that whole return process okay and when you return something you should get back the exact money that you pay so there was a small package which calculated the tax that you should be returned. Now you can imagine if if you live in say Chennai, in Dallas, in US, in Dallas, you are subject to Texas tax versus New York, then you are subject to New York tax. So this package was supposed to calculate the tax that you were charged. Now it being an online thing, the charge was being calculated and it was the first time. And that was our project. And I found a bug where there was a discrepancy of two cents if you bought it in New York and returned it in Dallas. (laughs) And and now, you know, everything else is fine. The project has been tested. I am in one of those scenarios where I get called in. It's a go, no go meeting. And I'm asked on Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. whether we should go to production. And, And I say, everything else is fine. I give the stats how many defects we have found, how many test cases we have run. And I say, in my mind, there's a critical bug. If you do an interstate return, 
uh, we are not giving back two cents. And I think it's very important as an organization that we do not return anything less, not a penny more, not a penny less kind of a thing to our customers. Okay. okay. And you can imagine the development director, the director of the facility, they all looked at me. They said, how many times, Shalini, will this case happen? I agreed. I said, yes, you're right. Uh, this will probably not happen very often. But don't you think even a single customer being unhappy and incorrectly um, money return is a bad thing? So then it became an integrity thing for the company. And, and I'm proud to say they decided not to put that into production. We fixed that bug and we went live only when we had fixed the tax issue. And, and I think, like I was saying, G3, the, the whole responsibility, the power, if you will, that comes with being in quality engineering, I saw the implication of it when, even though I was the most junior person, I had the responsibility of deciding what goes into production. And more importantly, I also learned the importance of customer satisfaction and doing right by our customers or by our company. So that happened in Infosys. And I've had similar scenarios um, at Accenture. And again, I was working for a very important tech organization. Now this time I'm, I'm a manager, a delivery lead. And we had a scenario where 28 applications went down because of an Oracle crash. Okay. We are across three locations. We are in a war room. There is a live call happening. Um, people have been woken up at 4 a.m. And we thought we fixed it. And again, it was a quality call where the U.S. folks were requesting that we go live. And I wanted to make sure that my team ran another round of tests. Similar scenario, you know, made an executive decision. No, we will not go into production or we will not bring back production. And, and we, I remember my team and I, we stayed back uh, till about two in, in the night. And then we got back at six in the morning. Uh, we worked in shifts. And I think around seven, we, we took a final decision that we can go live. It, it was fine. So 28 applications, all because of Oracle database crash, we were able to get the fix from Oracle and bring back the applications. Six hours later than the first fix, because we wanted to make sure that we tested it and tested it thoroughly. <laughs> I remember those two instances where those two instances where one as a test engineer and second, mm -hmm. I would say as a delivery lead, say that you can never take a tester out of Shalini. And I think that is so correct. I still think like a quality person. And more than quality, I feel you are more customer obsessed in terms of saying, okay, what is the, are, are we doing right by the customer? It also boils down to our values and integrity, right? We, no, we, talk, about, we talk about values as if it's a, something which is, which is only the, with the CEO's hands. And uh, values is actually something that is has to be practiced on a day in day out right during critical decisions and uh, is one more round means that six hours the system is down and that will definitely be a lot of dollar implications so still listening to the uh, person as uh, to you as well as you know acting upon it it's a very very important uh, thing that reflects on you as well as on the company which has accepted that right absolutely and and i i should say on my teams there 
when I look at it, they were my seniors and the executive leadership who demonstrated that. In the second scenario, I had a big team. I mean, we were 100 odd people supporting those set of kudos to my team that stood by my decision and said, we will continue to test it. Don't worry. We will work and alignment of uh, of the value system, like you correctly said, Jeet, customer visits, integrity, and, and the quality of what you are releasing out in production. So it's, it's, it's teamwork, it's a team spirit that comes into play when you have to do that. And so many times it has happened with me during my you know, 22 years of, of, of being a woman in technology or being just a technology leader, I would say. Excellent. So I, I hear you saying you are working, uh, you are working in US for some time. Uh, how has been that location played out with you, Shalvi? Because a lot of women in technology, I have heard uh, them saying, "Hey, uh, I, I don't want to relocate, or if I relocate, I lose my job." This is a constant predicament for women in tech, now, particularly early on in your career when you are single. It's it plays out differently, but as you uh, have dependent kind of uh, plays out differently. So how has been your journey? So you're absolutely right, G3. I think when we are early on in our career asked to relocate, it's an easier job. So uh, when when first time, like I was saying earlier, when I was requested to move to US for my project, just pack two suitcases and, and leave. But there have been two other times in my career where I have had to move or uh, opportunity presented itself that I had to move and it, it was a decision point. So the first time it happened when I was uh, already with Accenture, I had been with Accenture for a year and my husband had to move to Austin, Texas in US um, and it was for his work. It, it was like I said, a decision point for us and I, uh, the, the good thing I believe in hindsight I did was I walked over to my manager and I had a conversation with him and I said, this is what is happening, leading the sales and solution function for all of the testing proposals that we did in um, India. So clearly I had to move away from that role. I defined my priorities as first being with my husband and I knew that I could do something and I could still add value irrespective of where I would be. And I'm glad to say that my manager felt the same. I requested for a move. I was actually ready to take a sabbatical or, or take, like I said, because that's how I was defined my priorities at that point in time and I'm, I'm glad to say that my manager worked with his US counterpart and I actually got a role in Austin at US uh, which was not a client facing role it was very different from what I was doing in India but because of that role I was able to create they are called delivery methods at Accenture. So I was part of the team that created delivery methods for testing. For the longest time, uh, my manager in US, Jeff, and I used to joke, he would say, you're the mother of testing delivery methods. And I would say, no, how about calling me the queen? Uh, so we used to have that joke for a long time. The, the, the fact of the matter is, and of course, this is hindsight wisdom. I think I did two right things. One, I defined my priorities. And, and I want to say this, that each one of us has to make that decision and we should define our own success. I really believe in that. 
a lot of times we get mired in confusion because we think, oh, if I do this, maybe I'll lose that next promotion or I will lose golden opportunity. But if you believe in yourself and you believe in the value that you add to the organization and the team, you have to believe that you will have a role. And like in my case, I left a very, very lucrative role, but found another very uh, satisfying role that then made me, and I would still say queen, queen of test methods for all, all the time that I spent at Accenture. So that was my move to Austin. We came back and the next opportunity presented itself to me where I had an opportunity to move to Europe okay, and, and take up a role that would then allow me to grow the testing business in Europe, Africa, and Latin America. So it was a big role. It was a huge opportunity. And I wasn't sure how it would pan out. So I came home. I told my husband, hey, I have this grand opportunity. Are you okay to quit your job? And he <laughs> said, yes. I mean, literally, that is how simple it was. And I'm glad that he was at a point where he had just finished a project and he said, I can definitely do that because he was not in a critical juncture in the project because I, I totally understand that there will be times when for my audience, it wouldn't be as seamless as it ended up being with me. And you right. might have to you know, live apart for a few months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, in my case, the bigger decision was uh, whether he stayed back and found his next project or whether he um, took a break and and came along with me. So literally, I I often joke with him what I did for him to enable him to move to Austin. Uh, A few years later, he paid it back by making that decision and said, no, we will travel together, literally on the same flight. And we traveled together for my role in in London. I have now, because of that, uh, worked on three different continents nine different cities and and have had the experience of working with global clients, I have, uh, like I said, defined my own success, defined my priorities and took a risk of picking up a new role, believing that my organization values me and then I can add value to the organization. So that has been my uh, across the continents journey, G3. Very, very nicely put. Uh, In fact, uh, that reminds me of my location strategy. When my when uh, expecting my son, my husband got an opportunity to US. Uh, the a year before that, we were think, talking about it, but uh, uh, something didn't click. So we said, no, we'll wait for it, and then uh, we decided to go the family way. And uh, it so happened that when I got the good news, <laughs> as you say, I, at the same time he also got the news of that the US opportunity getting uh, settled in. I had a uh, two decisions to make. One is either uh, quit my job and go in as a dependent visa in the US that time it was H4 or wait for another year, uh, apply for a H1 and then go uh, as a with a job. So it was extremely hard decision. There were so many naysayers saying that why are you even thinking about a job when the baby is on the way and why do you want to continue to work when the baby is there? So such conversations were very, very normal in our household. And uh, that time I, I decided, believe it or not, I said, I will stay back. Let him continue his job. I stayed for a year and three months in India. 
and uh, i traveled with my 10 month old baby so it it does help to have a clear mind that things will happen but we have to have hold our patience and our fort absolutely brilliant, brilliant uh, you know point g3 because your story is complementary to mine right uh, you know in in our case we said nothing doing we will go in your case you said no um, i will stay back and it's all about prioritization and yeah. and it's all about defining what success means to you i think it's very very important thank you for sharing that with me i did not know about that so i am saying is this location as a strategy right um, often time there are more than few ways in which we can look at it because so, uh, every time there is a move uh, particularly for working women um, both have to find opportunity at the same time and it is a complex issue to solve there is no one solution to it right um, very well put i am very inspired by your location so when did you decide to come back to india after your uh, uk stint yes so when i moved to london europe because that was the primary objective when we were going leave his job and, and come along and of course he was uh, taking a break so at that point in time uh, like you said right it's a complex decision to make so we had a conversation and we said okay how long are we going there for at least going in we should have a plan so i had the conversation with my leadership as well as a, at home and we said we will make it at least 2 years mentally i wanted to make sure that my husband and i both understood that we are making a commitment that you don't go there for 6 months and say oh this is not working out let's come back it was important for him to decide that is he okay to be potentially on a break for 2 years so we made a plan for at least 2 years and we said based on how things go for me um, and for him we will see what happens after 2 years so we were prepared to add another year or 2 years but only based on how things went okay um, right so that was our conscious decision one year into our uh, london life the company that my husband used to work for a couple of years before uh, we left he must have been a huge value to them that they insisted that he joins them back and even though they did not have any office in uk or for that matter europe they um, did his employment and 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 provided him with the facility to work from home and okay. then he started working with them so after about a year of being on a break which he thoroughly enjoyed i'm sure of course it's me saying that um, <laughs> but I, i know he did because he says that as well he joined back his old organization and so once that happened we sat down uh, or rather i should say we walked around because in london there are so many walking opportunities and and that's what both of us really love doing as well we used to you know walk around uh, uh, one of the parks that was close to our house and do all this decision making uh-huh. so we were walking around and we said okay what should we do and and then we decided that it makes sense for both of us not to you know bail out on the commitment so he said he will he will go back to his organization and say that he cannot return before a year and then okay. for me to respect that if his organization does allow him that setup that we go back after completing my commitment of 2 years so okay. that is sort of how we decided after i 
came back from London um, after doing my Europe leadership role. Okay, very nice. I think uh, walking around for a working agreement, it is an awesome way to put it. I have a lot of coaching conversations as I walk. I do a, you know, sometimes it's a walk, walking with G3. Once you start walking uh, and talking, right, many of the then thoughts or hidden, you know, uh, even our own biases come out. You know, you open up a lot more and say, hey, uh, is there a better way to do it? Rather than your way, your way or my way, is there a, our way which is better for the future? It's an awesome way to put it, uh, Shalini. That's very interesting, Jithi. I, I never thought of it that way, to be honest. Now that you say, I'm, I'm thinking that, that you're right. When two people are walking together, mm-hmm. um, you know, even that little exercise uh, creates positive feeling in your body. You're, you're feeling active, you're feeling agile, and possibly more open to out-of-the-box solutions and more yeah. open to the thinking that somebody else is presenting as opposed to, you know, sitting across a table. Very interesting. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, now that you say it, maybe that had an interesting role to play in arriving at, at good decisions as well. And it's like instead of sitting in front of each other, I've seen many young couples, right? They all sit next to each other. So it's a similar thing when you're talking about as a walking together. You're actually saying you're listening more, you know, aptly as well as your body is also very... Fresh air brings a different perspective. I've had successful one-on-one conversations with leaders uh, when I walk and talk. It's it's an amazing coaching tip, if you will. Right. No, I I totally see that. It's very interesting the way you put it. So when you return back, now you are heading the technology for Caspian, right? Uh, Tell me more about that. Sure. Uh, and, And, you know, like I was saying that, one of the other walk and talk conversations that we used to do um, uh, was about what I want to do when I return. So when we had decided that we will go back, I had to also then think of what I would do. I wouldn't say that while we were in London, so this part of it has happened more after we came back. But I think the seed had started growing, all the long walks we did and all the life conversations, if you will, uh, that we did. And, and I realized that when I return back, um, so we came back in December 2017, uh, sorry, September 2017. And December 2017, I would complete 20 years of working, being a numbers person, and I like to count things. I, I started counting and I realized that it's like 20 years of uh, professional services career, I have moved 18 times in 20 years, you know, the first one being my hometown to Bangalore for my Infosys job. I have lived in nine different cities, um, three continents. So, you know, just when you put it in numbers, it sounds like I've, I've, I've done quite a bit for myself. Again, you know, defining it for myself. I'm not saying uh, it should be quite a bit for somebody else. You know, 40 years, 20 moves might not be, you know, enough for somebody. For me, it sounded like a very well-rounded 20 years of my life. Even when I think about the number of people I have had the privilege of meeting and the chance of working, 
because of my Europe role, because of my India role, I have worked with over 30 country people, experience how they think, how they behave, uh, what are their cultural values, even though we were united in organizational values. So okay. doing all that thinking made me, made me feel that I should definitely do something different. And having worked in, um, in corporate for 20 years, I really wanted to create an impact. I decided that I have to make a step change. But how do you make a step change? If you keep staying in the role that you are in, I personally thought it would not be the right way of making a step change. So I decided to leave Accenture. Um, I had done it. So I said, well, you know, seven and a half years later, let me give myself that break. So I left Accenture and I said for three months, I'm just going to think what is it that I want to do with everything that I have learned over these 20 years. I defined three roles for myself. I said, I'm a experienced business and technology leader. So I need to create an impact using that experience. Um, I am a very, very strong proponent of women in technology. So I said, I'm a step evangelist. So I need to do something about that. How I would do it, I wasn't answering. I just first was trying to answer, what is it that I want to do? The purpose. The purpose, yes. You want to get started. Yeah. Exactly. And third, I said that when I looked back my career and I realized that all through my career, all through the different roles, whether it was delivery, whether it was testing, whether it was sales, consulting, I have always been successful because I have been able to communicate and tell stories, uh, whether it was my clients and dinner with them, whether it was my teams or even one-on-one conversations with my managers, I thought I should be able to take this art of storytelling and and Mm -hmm. take it out and help professionals and make a little impact if I can. I saw something was developing with, with me, inside of me, sort of a purpose. The purpose was create an impact, pay it forward, and using the three things that I knew how to do, my experience in business and technology, uh, my passion towards promoting women in, in STEM and my ability to tell stories. If you go on LinkedIn and look me up, this is exactly what I define myself to be in, in April of 2018. And it still says that. And then I started looking for avenues to make each of those roles a reality. Reality. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. And, and that is how Anita B came along. I had been a speaker earlier at London. I knew Anita B existed and I knew the mission of, of being women in technology. So I reached out to them and today I'm a community lead for, for Hyderabad chapter that I'm very proud of. Staying in that same theme of paying it forward. I also knew about a charity called Timeless Life Skills and okay. they conduct workshops and create labs to promote rural children and make them future ready and life ready. That's why Timeless Life Skills. So I am the India representative of Timeless Life Skills, where I create workshops for rural children. And you three, you would love to hear this. My favorite set of schools is in Tamil Nadu. So I I travel there a few times in a year. And I have so far conducted workshops on coding, on AI and machine learning, on communications. 
mind map role models intention is to make these children life ready and in future ready and that then aligns both with my storytelling and the women in stem thing i started both of those last edition was caspian where i chanced to meet one of my very very old friends uh, you remember that tax story that i was telling you where i walked into a room and, and said yeah, i'm going to production <laughs> yeah the person who was supposed to support that application he had since then in 20 years changed his career and moved into finance and he was joining a new firm at hyderabad as okay. a chief financial officer awesome <laughs> so he reached out and he said hey the company needs something in technology would you be interested in coming and talking to us so what started as a couple of hours meeting over a cup of tea with the managing director at caspian transformed into me heading the technology for caspian and the reason i got attracted to caspian was also about the whole making an impact so caspian debt which is where i had technology provides loans to small and medium enterprises across okay. india and and one very important and non negotiable criteria for us is that the company should be making a positive social or an environmental impact so healthcare education clean water clean energy um financial inclusion those are some of the sectors that we work with and when i heard the uh, the md talk about the mission uh, you can imagine g3 is everything in my life uh, had to be about impact timeless life skills caspians completely fit in that do something good pay it forward and create an impact philosophy that i had defined for myself that is how i ended up being at caspian so those are the three or four things i do now and i'm okay. really glad to say again i have defined my own success my life what i want from life i work as head of technology at caspian where we are building this brand new platform completely cloud native um on amazon and salesforce with microsoft technologies and and that will allow us to provide capital uh, to companies that are trying to make a positive impact to the society and the environment while continuing my work with anita b and timeless life skills so, so that's what i do now i can vouch for your storytelling skills shalini right in the in this podcast itself i, I know you are uh, very strong in uh, i'm enamored by your uh, depth of conversational skills i'm so thrilled by this conversation and i feel we have lot more to talk about be it from an environmental impact how can we um, join hands to a lot of you know, instead of being mired in confusion uh, your words so excellent uh, just wanted to ask you any last thoughts that you want to share with our listeners sure thanks uh, thanks g3 so first of all uh, definitely our conversation will continue and i want to thank you um, and this platform for providing an opportunity to me to share my stories and and my life journey in terms of my listeners i would say two or three things one I, and i've been saying this throughout that define your own success i have tried to follow that throughout my life and i think i am a better person and in a better place in life because of that so define your own success the second thing 
always continue to learn. Um, and in today's world, it cannot be more important because as we go through, I have realized that what has made me successful and satisfied is my ability to be open and continue to learn. So whether it was learning a new uh, you know, algorithm or to make a cup of tea, I have always tried my best to learn. In my new life, I have taken up learning ancient history and I've done some courses on it. So while it's a very joyful experience, it also continues to add to you as a person. So my second message would be continue to learn. And, and the third and final one would be do not hesitate to take up a new role. But I think women as compared to men are uh, more self-critical. They think they should pick up a role or they should take a new opportunity only when they're picture perfect ready. And, and they seek that assurance from not just themselves, but outside. And yeah. I think that is where we sometimes lose opportunities. So my final message to my listeners would be grab that opportunity with both hands. Uh, have faith in the person or set of people who are giving you that new role. Have faith in yourself and ask for help. If you don't ask, you will never know. So ask for help, ask for support from your coaches, from your mentors, from your family, but don't hesitate to pick up that, that new opportunity. So those would be my three things. Define your own success, continue to learn, and don't hesitate to pick up that new opportunity. What a nice way to put it, uh, Shalini. I don't think I, would have, I could have put this uh, any better. And amazing uh, to talk to you, Shalini. I'm all smiles. I know you can't, and listeners can't see me. I'm smiling uh, broadly because such a beautiful way to define your life journey as well as purpose. I hope our listeners benefit out of it. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Shalini, to be candid as well as being very thoughtful about yourself. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, G3. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the Software People stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.